What's up, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode here on RNFM Radio, hanging out on the pulse of nursing, and you're tuning in to episode 162. That's right, 162. I love the triple digits. Maybe one day we'll actually get up into the thousands. I don't know. But anyway, we're going to be talking about change, and speaking of change, I'm just going to change up this intro. We actually need a new intro, and so stay tuned for that. I'm just going to work on that. So Anyway, you know how to find us or where to find us on rnfmradio.com. Keith, Kevin, and Elizabeth, and we are all here today, the three of us again. So I am going to go ahead and bring in my co-host because we just need to get to it. Time is money. Time is of the essence. So let's get to it. Let's get these intros done or at least open the doors up to let my co-hosts in. So, of course, I'm Kevin Ross hanging out in my studio in Colorado. Keith and Elizabeth are here. So Keith actually got introduced last week. So, Elizabeth, it's your turn. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Kevin. Thanks for asking and welcome to the show, everyone listening. Thanks for being here. I'm very excited to be here again and I'm enjoying this month of July 2015 as we all get to hang out on RNFM radio every week. I, th- I think so. This has been a blast and July, yes, it can be hot in certain parts of the country, maybe many parts of the country. However, if you're chilly, I'm sorry, but if you like to be chilly, <laughs> That's fine, too. I mean, hey, whatever you want to be, wherever you want to be, that's where we are going to be. So anyway, Elizabeth, it's always a pleasure. Now, Keith, you, sir, it's your turn. Come on in here. Good afternoon, Kevin. And hey, Elizabeth, and hello to everyone listening. And whenever it is, you might be listening in 2016 or 2019. We have no idea. So welcome, and we're glad you're here. And last week, right before we recorded, you two might remember there was a huge hailstorm here in Santa Fe and we had to delay recording until it ended because storms don't last long here, but the hail actually broke one of the skylights in my house. So, you know, we're going to talk about change today and all sorts of things in our lives. And sometimes the weather changes in your personal life, your career, and sometimes it changes right above the ceiling where you're sitting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Weather in your life. Weather in your life. I love that. Weather in your life can reflect your life. (laughs) That's very true. (laughs) That's right. That's so deep. Isn't it? And there's this, there's this old Tom Waits song for one of his live albums and it's called Emotional Weather Report. It's a great song. So I'll have to share it with folks somewhere along the line if I can find a recording. Well, that's where you're grabbing it now. That's nice. Yeah. Little Tom, you know, a little influence and that's fine. Wherever you can find the influence, as long as it's a good influence, as I tell my kids, then so be it. Run with it. Now, of course, as we say change and like I said, you know, the whole intro thing, You've been listening to RNFM Radio for now, if you're listening today, 162 episodes. Maybe you haven't listened to all of them, but I'm sure you've listened to a lot of them. So again, you know where we are, and we love that you find us everywhere. So listen to this podcast on the go or in the comfort of your home or office or wherever it is. That's where we're going to be. Anyway, let's talk about change and change in our careers and change in our businesses. And the thing is, is that we were talking offline before recording And Elizabeth and Keith and I were chatting uh, about, of course, Chad Sanders, who's a community member. Hey, Chad, you got another mention today. Uh, He had brought a question to us as a a collective, and we started waxing poetic about certain things. And we talked about changes in our business, how we end up on one track and we end up, if we're, I would say, agile and having our finger on the pulse, then sometimes we end up on different tracks, depending on where that weather or life or 
however you want, whatever analogy you want to use, wherever that takes us. Now, as a business owner, I work with several entrepreneurs out there, business owners, small and and large scale. And I know that an entrepreneur can get extremely, extremely romantic about their businesses, candlelit dinners, loving conversations, maybe just with yourself, whatever that is. But sometimes we get overly romantic about our business and sometimes we actually lose sight of our target audience or what's actually going on with our business. And then we find ourselves in trouble. So in today's world, at least in 2015, and as Keith said, you could be listening to this in 2019, it's still moving fast. I know it is, but we need to be able to pivot. We need to be able to think about our business more objectively. We need to think about change as not necessarily a bad thing, but it could be a good thing for business. So anyway, I'm rambling and I want to go ahead and bring in my co-host here who can offer some insight because Elizabeth had talked about her previous podcast and she's got a new one that's launching, but how those previous podcasts had brought her here today, here on RNFM and of course also on her current podcast. But anyway, Elizabeth, if you want to run with this sister, you go right ahead, ladies first, or at least after me anyway, and, and take it however you need to. But what, what have you experienced over the years as an entrepreneur, as a business owner in your business as far as change is concerned? Great question, Kevin. And before I respond to the specifics about my podcast shifting itself, I was thinking as you were introducing this topic to our audience being that we are putting on this podcast, think about RNFM Radio. You all started as a radio show on Blog Talk Radio. Yes. Then I hung out with you in a Google Hangout one time in 2013 or so, I think, uh, for your 100th episode. And then here you are doing these pre-recorded podcasts that come out. So you know, I think the topic is even larger than my own shifts in my business. If we extrapolate this whole change is the world of podcasts, as you said, you know, people listening to us could be listening now in 2015, they could find this podcast a year or two down the road. And then who knows in 2017, 18, is there going to be some other kind of technology that is putting the message and the solutions out there to our um, perspective audience audiences. So I just wanted to make note of that right up front because just doing this podcast is sort of the three of us e each individually and then collectively shifting as the environment of um, how people receive information is changing. But to get back to your question, and I'm sure you're both like <laughs> stomping at the bit to, to respond to what I said, but I just want to answer your question. No, no, go first. ahead. Go ahead. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. Which is, um, yeah, myself included. You know, I started out, as you both did, on Blog Talk Radio with my radio show. And the radio show was about self-care and healthy balance and how to stay energized and upbeat and healthy and really about nurses' well-being. And it was a fun show. I interviewed lots of people from all sorts of places, not just nurses or nursing students. You know, a whole variety of people uh, came on that program. And I wonder if that's still, you know, out there searchable. I'm sure it is somehow, some way. I kind of got tired of that show. And so that's how, you know, some changes come about because our audience is looking for a change. But then we also, we talked about this on the last episode. We also have to listen to what we're enjoying still. And so I kind of got tired 
of putting on that program. And I, maybe the topics, um, were sort of saturated. So I was, you know, I was bored and I was like, all right, enough of this. So I took a break and actually had no show going for hmm, about eight, nine months. And then I realized, ah, I want to do a a set show. You know, I knew only this, I did 13 weeks. I was saying, I'm only going to do 13 weeks. I'm going to find 13 guests. It's going to be on the specific topic about using Reiki practice in healthcare as a self-care modality. And that was it. So it was a little less pressure on me because I knew it had a start time and an end time. And that ran, like I said, for 13 weeks. And then now I am shifting into this podcast space with y'all because learning from you both, listening to the audience and understanding how podcasts really are becoming the wave of the future of getting our message out to our audience. So that's how my uh, progression has evolved over time with my various... Um, shows. But it's good to have the experience of doing different shows because you get to investigate different topics. You get to meet lots of people that you interview that you may work with potentially in another avenue down the road. So all of them were fun in various respects. And I'm really looking forward to the Your Next Shift podcast, which will start in August of 2015, because I'll be interviewing a whole new group of folks, specifically people who do call themselves nurse entrepreneurs. So I've sort of evolved as my needs have changed and what I enjoy have has has kind of shifted. And then also following where my business model is taking me, if that makes sense. Completely. And I think oh, that's that only, was, well, yeah. I was going to say that was only one part of it, but gosh, really concise. That was so well said. I can't, I, yeah, I'm just sitting here stunned having listened to <laughs> you just speaking so eloquently. Hey, Keith had a stroke. I did. Uh-oh. I had my own little, little Elizabeth caused TIA. Yeah. Oh, TIA. I always say, see guys, remember I am not a nurse. Oh, right. Nurse. The TIA. There yes. Is yes. Is, an emergency. Oh goodness. I cannot help. Yes. Is this, is this stenosis? Are we talking about a hemorrhagic type of cerebral fat? You know, yeah, never mind. Just, we, we're not going to get there. Go there. Yeah. Elizabeth, you just have this mind blowing way about you. That's why you're here with us. Doesn't she? She does. She, she does. does. She does. We, she I appreciate can't. it because I really am looking forward to interviewing all the folks coming up because, and let me say that Keith Carlson will be the first <laughs> person I'll be interviewing on the Your Next Shift podcast. But really? I, I just oh my God. I love, I love, love interviewing and I can't wait to learn from you all. So it'll be a fun time. Well, it, it will be. And you're going to get lots of experience here on RNFM and you're, and that's the beauty we, of course, encourage our listeners to subscribe to her podcast when that is live. But obviously, this show has helped Keith and I over the years with speaking engagements, interviewing, I mean, shoot, probably just interviewing for jobs and things, you know, or not not you interviewing for a job, but you're interviewing applicants just to have that conversation, just to tease out information. Because I really like to get, if people will allow me, some personal information. And I'm not talking about personal stuff to use against them. But just in a way, like I feel like if they can share a story, then I can say like, oh, wow, this person would really be a nice culture fit for the, you know, for the organization. So things like that. But in, over the years, it, it comes a little bit easier. That's so true. Yeah. And for me, the, I don't even remember what the original question was, Kevin, but talking about change and the ability to, to roll with kind of what's on your plate. I've mentioned this before on the show, but when I launched my 
coaching practice about five years ago, Nurse Keith Coaching, I was focused on health and wellness for nurses, burnout prevention, and burnout recovery. While I love to coach nurses about those particular topics, and I still do from time to time, people were asking me for career coaching. No matter what copy I wrote on my website, no matter what I said, people said, I want you to coach me on my career. So I had to make a a shift, a pivot, if you will. That's the buzzword these days. And I started offering career coaching and I started sharpening my expertise around career coaching, LinkedIn, et cetera. And it's actually been fairly successful. And I've kind of molded in some of the self-care stuff into my coaching because people need it anyway. They just don't want to explicitly pay me to help them with their health and wellness. Right. So I just had to like package it in a slightly different way. And that's fine. That works for me. So yeah, things have to shift. And like Elizabeth, you said so eloquently a few minutes ago, how RNFM radio has pivoted too. how we've changed. And it's true. We were on blog talk radio. We had crappy sound quality. Oh my gosh. Realized things <laughs> needed to change. And Kevin championed that switch to Libsyn and how we're producing our own shows now. And our sound quality went up like a thousand percent. And we also realized that the live shows weren't that important. And we wanted to do high quality pre-recorded shows instead. And I think the quality of the show has gone up another thousand percent. Wouldn't you say, Kev? Oh, well, exactly, Keith. And I love the fact that you brought up that live listens because let's talk about when we, that romanticism or that sort of romantic feeling that you have when you first embark. So Keith, remember, and, and hopefully all this transparency is very helpful and, and you feel comfortable with it, is that you and I were dialoguing back and forth how it was really fun to have a live show, right? It was fun to have the potential of people calling in. It was fun doing the live tweets, like the tweet chats during the show. But what we found was, is that, and for all transparency, we got to a point where maybe we were only having anywhere from as little as 10 to 20 and maybe 50 to 60 live listens on the show. And then, like I said, sometimes it was just, it was crickets, which that's okay because our archive shows were in the thousands, like many thousands. And so it was one of those things where I was saying to Keith, like, listen, I feel like we are not, we're not providing the, the quality of sound that we really need to. And is it really worth it? And, and of course, the live listens and those listening live, you were very, very important for our growth because you kept us going. But at the same time, we also wanted to provide you not only the best content, but the best sound quality, or at least much better. And BTR, Blog Talk Radio, was not able to do that. And we felt like, and we had so many moving parts to try to add in a live component and add the audio quality. And what it came down to is Keith and I, had to say like as much as it hurts us to get rid of the live component for just a small subset of listeners it was still very important for us to move forward to provide that extra quality that we felt that you deserved and we keith knows it i spent i'm i'm sure weeks trying to figure out how to provide a live show that would still bring the the sound quality that we wanted yeah, I think you didn't sleep for like 10 days straight. Away. Yeah, I it was, was worried nuts. you were going to, you know, have to take an antipsychotic. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know about those. Okay, I can come. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got it because you're old psych nurse. But but yeah, it's it's I we were we were getting a little romantic about, oh, wow, we we're going to lose that ability. 
But look at us now. I mean, I think we're, we're thriving even more. And our, listener, our listenership is growing. Our reach is growing. And people understand that you're right. If there are other podcasts out there that are providing similar or better you know, sound quality, or at least you know, great sound quality, then that's where we want to be because we know that the shift are to podcast right now. And right. we want to be among that you know, cohort of excellent podcast content and, and quality. Right. And the other shift was that people were asking for a female voice on the show. Again. Yes. We were actually getting requests. It was like, we miss Anna. You, you, you guys are cool, but we need a woman back on the show. And thus Elizabeth Scala was, was swept into the show and much to our amazement. And Elizabeth Scala was swept into the show much to our amazement and to our incredible benefit and more importantly, the benefit of the audience. Oh, yeah. I mean, because here's the thing, folks. I had an intern run a several virtual and on-site focus groups, and the data was there. The data is real. And if Keith and I were to say, wait a minute, you mean there are a lot of people out there? Not to say they didn't say that they didn't like us, but they felt like we were just a couple of dudes on the mic. And yes, we are very, we have a very sensitive side. We have a very, you know, gentle and caring and nurturing side to us at, at times. But we apparently aren't representing, representing the female audience members very well. And they let us know that. Um, and again, it wasn't malicious. And our intent was to actually gather information. And so we did a little data mining. And then the interns came back and said, this is what we found. And, and I, I really, I wasn't surprised. And it didn't really sting. I was like, they're right. They're right. Um, I think yeah. it really is helpful to have female representation, especially in a female-dominated profession. And, and, right. and that's cool. Now, Elizabeth, you, know, you, you're, you can't be uh, 91% of the show, though, but we have to give you as much room as possible. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to do the math in my head, and I'm like, oh, goodness, that joke went right over my head because I am not good with percentages. <laughs> Go back to psych stuff, antipsychotics. She's yeah, got let's that. talk about antipsychotics. Yeah. I was going to bring this into the clinical realm for some of our listeners and um, provide this to the conversation in terms of Kevin just brought up this focus group notion. And, you know, lots of times we go to our audience. So for example, maybe the hospital leadership is wondering why a certain policy is not being followed, for an example. And we do focus groups and, you know, we're gathering that data and we're asking people for their opinions and they vulnerably sometimes and open and honestly are sharing that with us. But the important piece is what we're speaking about here is what we've done and and what I hope hospital leaders do uh, is listen to the feedback you're getting. So as a business owner, as a hospital executive, as a nurse manager, if you're asking people for feedback, the next step is then to take what that audience is sharing with you and really give them what they want. Because what's the point of running these focus groups and, and asking these surveys if we're not going to answer their requests. You know, maybe if their requests are outlandish and there's no way you can possibly do it, but at least work with them in partnership. And I see that too often in the clinical space where the clinical staff is asked their opinions and their feedback and their thoughts and their ideas. And then the change really doesn't reflect what the clinical staff is saying. And I think that is a complete disservice to 
this whole notion of running a focus group or gathering that data. You know, you need to be right. able to be ready to hear what, what comes to you. Right. If you're going to open the door to feedback, you're right, Elizabeth, then you have to be ready first to accept it and deal with it, you know, emotionally or internally or organizationally, if it's organizational feedback, and then actually do something with it. And it's kind of like we could draw a comparison. Say you're assessing a patient and their blood pressure has been fine, their vital signs have been stable and all is well, right? And then when you take vital signs or do an assessment, you're listening for feedback from the body, right? You're listening to see, is the plan of care working? Are the medications having the desired effect? So if you walk back in the room, the blood pressure's 47 points higher, and you're like, uh, it's just feedback. I'm not going to do anything with it. What happens to the patient if you don't respond to that feedback? So there's, you know, there's emotional, there's organizational, and then there's clinical feedback. So I just want to make that comparison. And if the patient, quote unquote, is your career, then you need to listen to the feedback. And if it's also your organization, you have to do the same. Right. Well, both of you are speaking volumes and I can hear all the bells dinging in people's heads right now as they're listening to the show. They're like, oh my gosh, you're so right. Because, and, and they get so deflated before something like this starts again because they know historically that they've had focus groups, they've had requests for feedback, surveys, they want comments, they want that they want that dialogue, or, or at least they've been asked to have a dialogue about what's going on. And to be honest, when you're like that, you're already setting that up for failure because they're like, well, I'm not going to fill that survey out, or I'm not going to comment, you know, or go too deep into this. I'm not going to dive too deep in it because every time I do, management, the organization, they don't hear us anyway. So why are we filling this stuff out? I mean, so like if you're not following through, and that's the thing, we we're following through on what you, the community, had been asking for. And if we didn't, I mean, within reason, I mean, we, we try to accommodate within reason, then, you know, we, we would lose our, you know, a lot of our listeners and our community. And, 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 and it's not about us trying to speak to the numbers, because quite frankly, if we had a hundred of you out there just listening to us, that's fine. Or five of you, we're still going to do this show. But that's the thing. Like, don't set yourself up for failure as an organization or even in your own business. If you're going to put, you know, those feelers out there then you got to do something about it because then people will just stop engaging in that conversation right. if you don't follow through on it. Right. But I Kev, agree with but, that. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Keep, oh, no, go ahead. Just, and then uh, I want to, I was just making again. a joke about, you know, the people who were asking for like live animals on the show and stuff. I mean, <laughs> we did disappoint them. Yeah. But yeah, you know, there was just, there's a there licensing a, issue. It's a, there it's is, a department of health. How far you can go. And yeah. 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 Anyway. Once in a while you might hear my dog in the background. So that oh. might be close enough. Well, yeah, domestic Kevin's animals dog. and they, they approved chickens in our um, neck of the woods too. So I guess I could have a couple hens and roosters and well, well nice. actually you just want one rooster but right. still i don't know that yeah. that actually might degrade the sound quality that's true <laughs> but elizabeth before i so rudely interrupted about wild animals what were you gonna say no problem no problem it's good to have humor because i'm about to say something that some of the audience may not enjoy uh -oh. Um, oh no i know well i have to bring it up since my signature work does revolve around the concept of connecting with the nurse within okay so 
you mentioned that the organizational leaders are putting out these surveys. And I opened up this can of worms by saying, oh, you know, sometimes they don't listen to feedback that we're giving them. Then the individual, the clinical nurse, filling out these surveys, going to these focus groups, they may say, ah, to heck with it. They don't listen to me anyway. However, that really isn't the attitude to take. We need to be accountable for our own actions. And maybe, just maybe, this survey coming, this focus group coming, has a new leader behind it or a new open-minded executive behind it who really will take your feedback. So instead of just washing our hands of it and saying, ah, it's not going to change anything anyway, I want to encourage the audience to be mindful of those reactions and show up in a way that is accountable for change. I mean, we as individuals are the only ones that are going to impact any of this change. It really does start within with one person standing up alone, fearful, you know, kind of skeptical if anyone's going to join them. But change starts within. And so to be that person, even if it does feel lonely, I mean, I think that's why some people might be listening to this program is we, the three of us, are discussing things that do take sort of a new spin. And we are speaking about opportunities and we are encouraging folks to look for the positive and be those change agents by being leaders wherever you're at. So if you're one of those folks who says, oh, I'm not going to fill this out. I'm not going to go to that focus group. It doesn't really matter anyway. I just want you to be mindful of that reaction because then it's really only feeding into the problem and no change is going to be made. Excellent point. Yes. Really good point. And that's right. And that is part of that accountability piece. And I think that's really important for us. I mean, an organization has to be accountable. I mean, Kevin, you run an organization. There's tons of accountability. But if you're one member of an organization, like say a hospital or a hospital unit or an ambulatory care center or whatever, you have a responsibility to give feedback and to to do your best to, I guess, fully participate Maybe that would be one th one way to say it. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it's about being fully present, and but but that presence also is about participating. And Elizabeth, it's it's okay that you opened that up because you're right. We have talked about it so much on RNFM about being the change agent, change agent, and of course that change starting with you. It does start within, and it can be infectious. That good kind of infection. So the the. The navigation here, I mean, the, the direction has to change. So if we continue to say to ourselves, even though those comment boxes are filling up with stale gum or whatever that they hang on the wall, do they even have those anymore? I mean, like, you know, those, like, let us know how we're doing kind of thing. Probably not. I think Yelp and Random Google reviews. I've seen some random places have it. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I still see them. Yeah. So, but, but that's the thing. Like, be, feel empowered to want to make change. And I'll tell you what, I, at some level, someone will notice. Someone has got to take notice, especially like if the organization or leadership is looking around and maybe all they see is like not so happy folks, but then they see you sort of shining, a bright and shiny star or sunshine or whatever that is. And you actually might get isolated as someone who could be somewhat of a brand ambassador for your unit uh, if you're on a unit or within your organization to kind of help fuel those efforts to get people to be more present and to participate and say like, listen, look, they're, they are making change. Look, they, they've come to me and they're talking to me and they want me to help you to, to make this change. And they do want that. So I, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's, 
it does start with you. I think that's just kind of the take home piece. So I'll just shut up and just say that <laughs> that was well said, Elizabeth. And I'm glad that we went down that road because you're right. We need to be accountable. That's so yeah. true. When we talked about it last week, we talked, you guys had asked me about um, the fact that I was newly appointed to the board of AHNA, American Holistic Nurse Association. And I shared, oh, you know, it was just kind of on a whim. I also didn't share some of the behind the scenes, which was, and I hope my chapter doesn't get upset with me sharing this, but my own local chapter's kind of struggling, you know, our leaders going to step down. We're not sure who's going to step in if, if we're going to disband. And then I had been to conferences before and heard some grumbling from some of the members about, you know, the expense or the travel or they're not listening to us and lots of complaining, really a lot of mm. venting and just emotional strain. And I, my ears kind of hurt when that happens. I, I just don't like to be around it. So that's why when the woman nominated me, I said to myself, okay, I've heard these gripes and grumbles and my ears were in pain. So I want to be part of the solution and help these people who are feeling these dissatisfied, you know, emotions. And that's really why I just said, oh, I'll try it out. And, and if I get on, I get on and I'll be part of the solution. So anyone listening, you know, if your ears hurt when there's a lot of negative conversation, be that lone ranger and, and just step into your independence of being a change agent. I mean, like Kevin said, someone will take notice and see and be like, oh, I want some of that. And then, you know, you'll bring others who have similar interests along with you. It, it's slow. It's definitely lonely. I, I've never been one to have a huge group, you know, around me. I do a lot of things that are against the grain and I'm always very different, but <laughs> people want to then do what I do because I get asked all the time. So, you know, I, I now I, it's my turn to ramble, but my point just was, be part of the uh, solution finding instead of the typical, you know, I can't stand the way this place works kind of thing. That's a, that's a really good point. And, you know, it's very interesting. I just posted a new episode of the Nurse Keith show late last night around midnight mountain time, and it's called Crabby Nurses in Escaping from Toxicity. And in the show, I talk about when you're in a toxic environment or say there's a bully on your unit, for instance, and things aren't quite working for you and you're feeling like your work is toxic, it's not healthy and you're not feeling very happy. And I talk about the fact that there are people like Renee Thompson and Beth Boynton out there who can actually help hospitals or organizations or units or even individuals learn how to counteract a bully or counteract toxicity in the workplace, especially around communication. And I say in that post that, of course, if you can be a change agent, it's great. If you have the, what did I say, the gumption or the energy or the resources to tackle it and take it on and change the organization from within, it's awesome. Go for it. And then I also say, if it's an organization or a situation that you feel like will not change or you don't have the energy or you feel like you're going to get eaten alive by making the change happen, Sometimes you have to grab your parachute or hit the ejector seat button and, <laughs> and go. So I think what I want to tell the nurses out there who are listening saying, yeah, but my organization is, is falling apart and I feel like it's going to take me down with it. So my message to you is 
if it's too much, if you feel like it's going to kill you, if it's really going to take you too far down, then maybe you need to grab the parachute and jump. Right. Well, and then, you know, Keith, I, w- I was going to ask you, does gumption make a good gumbo? Because, I mean, if you got crabby nurses or... Oh, my sort gosh. Of, yeah. I never thought of that. Gumption can make a good gumbo. You know, and I love a nice seafood gumbo. I mean, if you go to New Orleans, but also, too, Elizabeth, I mean... um, I lived in Baltimore for a couple of years and there were some great little gumbos there. We, we do digress. I don't know. Yeah, I know. Maybe we'll I have, thought we'll y'all po- were talking about Gumby for a moment. Gumby. You know, that wonderful cartoon. No, oh, I no. Grew up with Gumby. I a nice little guys. stew, a nice little yeah. hodgepodge of all this seafood. Anyway, we'll, we'll post yeah. a recipe or something or, or, or not. <laughs> That's right. But in, in my, um, in my podcast, what I was talking about other than gumbo was gumption, but I was talking about this notion that, you know, Sometimes you can be a change agent and sometimes you realize that maybe I want to be a change agent somewhere else. So you also have to protect yourself. And that's where some accountability comes in too. And Elizabeth, I think you would agree that sometimes the accountability for yourself is like, get the heck out of there. Oh, sure. You know, I recently, I think it was today actually, talked about on my blog about how to deal with negative coworkers. And the response, the, the the thing I wrote about in the blog wasn't exactly how you deal with them, but really more how you deal with yourself. And the suggestion I said was to focus on things that you are appreciating or focus on things that you are grateful for with respect to your career. And if you can find nothing at the place you're at, like you're talking about, Keith, then maybe it's time to start to change, to to swivel, to pivot, like you all say. And so looking for something new where you're going to feel your best and, and be, you know, able to serve, uh, in, in the very best way. So I agree, you know, we can't change an adult. We can't change in another person. Like it's just, it's absolutely impossible. I have personal experience with my very own husband who I've been like, exercise, go to the gym. What are you doing? Please begging, prodding, tricking, maybe, maybe even enticing him with like carrots, nothing. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. I can't change you. I'll just change myself. So, yeah. yeah you could try something other than carrots, though. Come on. Dinner out, ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just... pun No pun intended. I, I didn't mean I was actually literally giving him carrots. Yes, I was like, here's a brownie. Would you go to the gym? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking carrots? No way. Yeah, <laughs> motivation with the brownies, much easier. Oh, yeah. so Much easier. So, right. But, you know... It, uh, Elizabeth, I wanted to to go back to something. I mean, uh, love the points, and and you you were definitely so right. But what I wanted to actually go back to something that you mentioned was doing. Well, you mentioned it like way long ago or early on in the show. But then you talk about focusing on things that you appreciate and that you care about. And then yeah, again, sometimes if you're not getting what you need or feel like that's happening in your current position, if you're a person who feels like you need permission then I think that that could give you permission as long as you say my exit strategy is that I am going to continue or I'm going to be a rock star, but I have to do it in another venue. You know, I've got to do it in another platform, wherever that is, but I am going to do it. I just need another venue, another environment to do that in. And so I think that that may be easier to swallow for someone. Uh, if, if, again, if they're the type that needs that, what I would say, permission to leave but I also wanted to talk about you feeling tired in the sense of not necessarily the physical exhaustion, but also the emotional exhaustion of what you're doing, whether that's clinically or in your business. 
And I think that that is extremely important. And as an entrepreneur, for me, some personal stories, I have started businesses that I was so driven, so passionate about, and they were doing really, really well. But something changed for me. There was an internal shift. There was something that, to me, it didn't, it didn't speak to me the way it did when I first started it. So rather than me saying, okay, well, I'm just going to be done with this business, as a CEO or as someone who co-founded or founded the company, I decided I am going to relinquish my position as an executive in the company and bring someone else in who can take this company to where it really deserves to be. Because I still feel like it's a great company, but it's not, I mean, say it's just not doing it for me anymore. Uh, but it's still a good company. So I think there are a lot of entrepreneurs, again, going back to the romanticism about it, is that they get so caught up and they get so angry with themselves of why they don't like it anymore, but it's still a very good and viable business. Sometimes you do just have to like say, I got to step down. I got to take a pause, a timeout, or I maybe just have to walk away from this. And of course, I, I can still have decision-making power if I need to or a financial tie to it if I feel like it's it's deserved. But I have to look beyond myself, beyond my own ego or my own feelings to say that this is something that's really good, but I, I'm not there. So I either need to pass that torch onto somebody else, and it could be another business. I could just totally sell the business off or sell the ideas off or just bring somebody else in to run it and give it its justice that I apparently am not giving it. You know what? You bring up an awesome point, um, Kevin, with that example. By listening to what you need you're, you yourself, you know, you're going to impact people in a, in a hugely positive way because, you know, even if you're running this successful business that's doing really well and is thriving, if you're not into it, it there will be some kind of dip, even if it's not so obvious for everyone to notice, but there will be a shift. And so if you hand it off, and as you said, you know, still have some kind of um, hand in the game or, or you're still financially involved or whatever it may be. But if you hand it off to someone who's fully energized around the concept and bringing fresh new eyes, think about how many people that can impact, how many people you can serve. You'll, it'll serve more people. You know what it is? It's you're serving more people by listening to to yourself. And I think as a clinical nurse, as a nurse educator, as a nurse entrepreneur, wherever you are working, you need to really listen to what you need. And people might think, oh my gosh, Elizabeth, that's selfish. But when you listen to what you need, you show up as your very best. So it ripples out. So I think that's a great example of changing and, and allowing others to help you out because you're doing what you need. And that's going to really serve a greater amount of the public. Yeah. And I think about and I tell entrepreneurs this, and, and a lot of them are just, they will not hear me. They will live and die on that idea or the concept that when they start a company, that if you know they go, the company goes or, or whatever. And at, for myself personally, every endeavor that I start, I think about my exit strategy. Not quitting, not trying to walk away from something and letting it go, but there are points in my career that just don't allow me to take certain brands, certain businesses to a level that it really deserves to be. And I would not be doing that business justice, especially because it is serving oftentimes individuals. And so I just, again, have to put my ego aside. 
And a lot of entrepreneurs do not like to hear that. They do not like to hear the sound of, well, I'm currently the CEO and I can't imagine me ever stepping down, but it does happen whether it's forced or whether you just embrace the idea. But it's, it's something that I think that we all need to consider at some point in our businesses that there could be someone else out there that could help you drive business even further and help more people. That's a very good point. And I also want to point out that there's a, there's a notion here of attachment. We get attached to a certain outcome. We also get attached to having a certain role. And I've experienced this not as a business owner per se, actually as a clinician. So I was a nurse care manager in Western Massachusetts in a large city, and I carried a lot, a lot of patients. And at a certain point, I needed to pull back and I had to leave. And I hope I'm not jumping too far from where you all were no, no, no. ago in the conversation, but it's like, it was this notion of attachment that no one's going to be able to take care of my patients the way I did. No one's going to be able to provide the care that I did. My patients' lives are going to fall apart when I, when I quit, you know, when I, when I exit stage left. And there was this notion that no one could do it, that I had to be there, that Everything, the world was going to come to a crashing end when I left. And I've experienced that before. And there's ego involved in that. There's attachment to outcome. There's attachment to the way things are done. And sure, maybe some of my patients' details of their care might have fallen through the cracks with the transition to another care manager. But none of them suffered horrible consequences from my leave taking. And the same thing goes for business. Sure, there could be horrible consequences if you make a bad decision or if you... Kevin, if you gave the steering wheel of your business to someone who actually crashed and burned it, I mean, that could happen too. Yeah, that could hurt. Yeah, that could definitely hurt. Mm-hmm. But even in your clinical practice, there's this, there can be this, this feeling that you're indispensable, that nothing can change. And since we're talking about change, I think it's important to mention how we can get in that kind of mindset with our blinders on, even in a clinical situation. Well, Keith, you did a wonderful job. That added so much color and context in addition oh. to this, the business. No, no, you were right on. I, Thank you. No charge. No, I, I appreciate <laughs> that. Thanks. I get the family discount. Yes, so, you too. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, Keith, that is so true. I mean, I think we've all been in that uh, position where we felt like, yeah, we leave this uh, behind and, and everything's going to fall apart, e- you know, even at, at an employee level. And again, getting hung up on titles. Like I said, I've stepped down as CEO uh, or, or whatever the title was for a founding company, but because I just, I can't get caught up in that title because again, I can still have influence if I so choose or have worked something out in the deal that I can still have influence, but I'm okay with that. I am secure enough with myself knowing that that business is going to do well. And even if it doesn't do as well, or maybe not well at all, I still can't bring ego back to say, oh, I should have never left, or wow, look at them, they're just really tearing that thing down. Because even in my current endeavor, I have CEOs all the time ask me how I can get so many things done in the day, and sometimes I'll get pretty blunt, and I'll say, because I've got my hands in the dirt along with my teams, and I have people that I trust. I have people who can basically steer this ship and not crash it. And I believe in them. I trust in them. I invest in them. I nurture those relationships. 
Because guess what? Just because you wear the CEO hat doesn't mean you should have every, you know, have your hands in every bit of the minutia. You're really? just going to have to trust people. <laughs> you're, you're just going to well, have to trust people. Isn't that something, wait, what's that word? Uh, delegation? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and micromanaging. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Yeah. I sometimes I forget about that. Yeah, yeah, I know. It, I'm sure some of you might have been touched by it. Maybe, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Well, Elizabeth, how about you? How does How does that fit in with your just your whole outlook on life. I mean, you, you, you're very inspirational to me and Kevin, obviously that's why you're here. And you have a certain way of looking at life that looks at it from sometimes a different lens than many of us use. So what do you think? I am at a loss. There's just so many things. <laughs> We've got at least another 10 or 12 shows in the hopper now, folks. I know. Well, you bring up micromanagement. You bring up the ego, <laughs> re releasing your grip on attachment. I'm oh, like, boy. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> oh, gosh. My, my thought process, though, when, when listening to both of your examples, you know, in terms of the clinical where, and I hear this all of the time, it, it especially um, relates so much to burnout and, and, and fatigue, because when we leave work, we still have work on the mind, clinically speaking, you know, you're thinking I've got to be there. You know, only that person knows how to give the medication exactly like I do or whatnot. But why? And the thing I was thinking to myself, listening to both of your examples is like, why, you know, I don't even know if I have the answer. Why it's, why do people and raising my hand here too, because I've done it. I've called the unit at four o'clock in the morning and been like, oh my goodness, did you do the thing that I told you to do? Like, like oh, a crazy person. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, <laughs> but why, like, why do we have this feeling that the job won't get done if we're not there? Because newsflash, every single person is, is going to be gone one day. You know, we're all every, as soon as you're born, you begin to, 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 to die. So Oh we my God. I know. No, Boy, way to put a black cloud over it. We talk about weather. The next thing you know, the storm's coming in. I'm sorry. I have a very interesting outlook on death. And I love it. Yeah. I, it. I just, I don't know. Maybe that's a whole nother show. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm just curious as to what, what do you guys think is the reason that people have such a strong need to always be on to always be the one that is responsible to always be the one that's either in charge or doing the work. Like, why can't we just let ourselves take a break? And, and, you know, to be honest, as a nurse entrepreneur, there are days in my business where I'm supposed to be working from home. I sit down at my desk and wonderfully, everything gets done very quickly. And, and it's like one o'clock in the afternoon and I, I'm done everything mm -hmm. I've you know set out to do. And my brain is like, well, what else can you do? What else can you get done? And I'm like, no, go outside, take a walk. Like you need that recharging time. You need that just simply being time to let new ideas flow into your brain matter. So why do we always have to be doing something to be, to be productive and successful? Why can't we just be and, I, and do nothing to be productive and successful? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think from a psych piece, um, I think that we... Uh, I don't know if a lot of people are going to like this answer, but I have said a lot of times, I think that there's a lot of insecurity that, that, a go, that goes on in people's lives. I think people do feel insecure about their position of where they are either in life, maybe personally, 
um, but but also professionally. Maybe they feel like they're expendable. Maybe they feel like there is someone that is bigger, better, prettier, whatever it is. I mean, whatever, wherever you feel like you're falling short, that you don't have, you lack that confidence. So you feel like, well, I've got to at least, if I'm not busy, I got to look like I'm busy, just to look like, you know, I'm providing some kind of value here. And I think. I don't want to be harsh and, and mean here. What I want to say is that love yourself. Seriously, mm-hmm. you got to love yourself. That's so harsh, first. Kevin. No, but when when I tell when I say to people like, you know, stop with the insecurities. I mean, I don't say it that blunt, but but mm-hmm. it is. I think people do feel like they are falling short in so many ways, and so I know that things are a little bit deeper there. So I'm not trying to call out anybody individually here or anybody that I've talked to in the last five minutes or the last days or whatever. It's just, I'm, I just feel like we need to have confidence and love ourselves. And I know that sounds a little tree huggy and maybe a little Mr. Rogers neighborhood or something. I don't know, but you got to love you and yeah, feel sure. confident who you are. Well, are, are you wearing slippers, Kevin? Well, no, I, I almost did, but I, I, I'm not wearing a cardigan either. I'm not wearing the red cardigan. So, oh, or the gray well, or no, it's a gray cardigan. Didn't he have, was it blue sneakers blue. and the red cardigan? Yeah. yeah. Cardigan. Or was it blue? So. Oh, it was blue cardigan. Okay. okay. Absolutely. I did meet him in real blue. life, actually. I did you meet did? him. Uh-huh. I did. Wow. Yeah. Me and me I and old say, Mr. Rogers hung hung out. I gotta say one thing to what you just said. We talked about this on last week's podcast in terms of that whole notion of um being busy just to be busy and being busy to distract yourself. And I agree. I thank you for your response, Kevin, because I, I agree. And we talked in last week's podcast, too, about some of the things you can do as you're getting into becoming a nurse entrepreneur, as you're making that shift from a career as an employee to now you're looking to become your own employer. So remember, we talked about, you know, networking with folks, building your foundation, getting your messaging clear. We talked also about working on your own mindset and your own confidence. So I think that lots of people overlook that step because it does feel rather tree huggy to use your term. But (laughs) I think it is a crucial component that every nurse must be doing, no matter if they're going to become an entrepreneur or not. Be comfortable in your own skin. And a lot of this other stuff will just fall by the wayside. I think it's I know it sounds completely like I'm dumbing it down and very simple, but I think that is the core of a lot of obstacles people put up against themselves. I'm so glad you like followed up with that, Elizabeth, because I really felt like I was kind of hanging out on a cliff that I pretty much could have just been, somebody would have just come along and shoved me off of or something. No, I'll jump with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll we'll go with you, Kev. Don't worry. I appreciate that. We're all in this together like Thelma and Louise. I appreciate it. (laughs) Well, you know, going back to just, you know, a couple of quick points here as far as pivoting and, and things like that and sort of mindset is that there are businesses out there that are shifting and people need more time in their lives. So I've had people come to me and say, cause we, ha- we do have a housekeeper. So I'm admitting like our house gets cleaned by a professional, but the reason being is that I think of it as an investment in my time with my family. If I have to spend less time cleaning up my house and doing those things and you know, just stressing out about it, then that's just more time that I can get with my family because I, it's like one thing, like I can't buy more time, but yet I can actually hire someone to allow me to have more time to do those things. And I've, I've had a lot of people around me say like, oh, I wish I could afford, you know, a housekeeper. But at the same time, then I say, well, think of yourself as a billable hour. And they're like, yeah, yeah, but I'm salaried and I'm an employee, not, not in my company, but you know, some, somewhere else. 
I'm like, no, 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 but seriously, if you're working to provide for your family, then what good is that if you can't actually spend time with your family when you're off from work? And so is there a way in your budget, is there something that you could cut back on or do something extra to have someone come in to provide you with that time? And that's, and, and I've actually helped a couple of housekeepers sort of twist, tw- uh, tweak their marketing a little bit. Like, hey, wouldn't you love to come home to a clean home rather than, hey, wouldn't you love to have more time to spend with your family? And like yeah. those marketing tools really help because people are like, they're maxed out. They're maxed out. So if you come from a place of saving time and being able to spend more time doing the things that you do, people might be more willing to invest in things like that. So think about that from a business standpoint. If you can give people back time, then they may end up buying your product or service. Wow. That's agreed. Well, such a, that's turning some, let's say assumptions we all make on their, on its head in a way. There are things that we all sort of assume and you're giving us another way to think about it. So I'm going to think about that myself because I've never had someone clean my house in my whole life. So maybe it's time. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and maybe if you like cleaning your house and that's like therapeutic for you and you really enjoy it and maybe your kids pitch in, I don't know, like not, I know that your kids are not there, Keith, but I'm just saying in general, but everybody's like laughing, like, yeah, right. You know, I can barely get my kid to like put his or her, <laughs> his or her like shirt in the laundry or whatever, or, you know, the laundry hamper. But right. still, I mean, it is, it is about, you know, putting it in perspective and, and just quickly, just to tie that in and dovetail, this is a great example, two big companies right now, Amazon and Walmart. And whether you shop at Amazon or Walmart, see Amazon has been in the business of convenience and they can deal in high volume and they're having this prime membership sale right now. It's going on like crazy. They're selling all kinds of stuff at like a huge discount. But see, they realize that people don't have a lot of time to go into the stores and shop. So they're bringing the stuff to you. And as a prime member, you can have stuff shipped free uh, two day shipping. And you can also upgrade for just a couple extra bucks if you want it overnight. And in some cases, like in Manhattan or New York City, uh, if you buy something on Amazon, they might even get it to you the same day. And Walmart is actually saying, okay, well, we're having maybe fewer people come to our store, so we've got to compete. So we have, people must really buy into this notion that they don't have time to come into the store. So we're going to do a very similar thing that Amazon's doing. We're going to mimic that and offer our own quick shipping and all this other, you know, I don't know how well it's doing, but they realize that the market is speaking and the market is saying, of course, although take every opportunity to invest in your local boutique community stores and restaurants. I I, I do encourage local business. Um, And some of our local businesses here in the Boulder area are willing to do the same thing. Restaurants do it all the time. I've had restaurants who had many, many tables to serve a, a number of customers, but as time has changed, fewer customers are coming into the restaurant, but more people are getting takeout. And some of these are actually, some of these folks, these restaurants have said, we'll develop an app or we'll hook up with an app um, like Grubhub or, or something like that. And people can go online, order their meal, and then we'll bring their lunch to them to their office. And wow. that we use that all the time. So then they, then they scale down, they get a smaller restaurant with a bigger kitchen so that they can handle more volume of people going out the back door rather than having more people come in the front door. Oh my gosh, I could keep going, so I'll shut up. But I could uh, tell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just had sort of an epiphany. Yeah. Tell us. And yes. I, I love epiphanies. I don't know. Again, I am. I met Epiphany you know, one I'm time, I think. I'm water with the audience today, and maybe people will send me this, you know, hate mail. But one of the issues with the nursing profession is this notion of 
and I'm sure people have heard this before. Mm-hmm. This is the way it's always been done. You know? It, oh, you, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. So I feel like as nurses, we sort of shoot ourselves in our own feet because on one hand, we want to be seen as this professional body. You know, we're not a job. We're a profession. We, we, we want respect. We are a team. We are a part of the team. We, we have a voice at the table in healthcare, whether it's in, uh, in an organization or on your own, but then we're very slow to keep up with the change. And, and unless you're listening to RNFM and you're like, oh yeah, I'm totally an innovator and I'm ready. You know, I've got what these guys are talking about and girls, but, right. um, I feel like that old, you know, cliche of, of this is the way it's always been done is, is how it, it stifles change. And so I just want the audience to think about that comment. And if you've ever said it to a colleague or if you've ever thought it when, you know, a new policy is coming or even in your business, like this is the way I've always done it. My website's been the same since 1992 and I'm, I'm no, never right. going to update it because it's just <laughs> too expensive, <laughs> you right. know. We've, you've got to change. You just have to change to keep up with the times and to stay professional. I, I, that's just my opinion. And No, I think again. you completely nailed what I was starting and you just kind of finished it off. She's good at that. I know. She's really, really good at that. And speaking of finish it off, we could keep going with this, but I think we've, we've made some great points today. And I think there's a lot for people to take home and think about today because there's this applies, what we've talked about applies to pretty much any venue, whether you're a clinical nurse, nurse entrepreneur, nurse manager. I mean, it doesn't really matter, does it? Oh, no, no. I mean, this is, this is so applicable across the board. I mean, this can really, like I said, we're weathering in our personal lives, our careers, our businesses, whatever that is, wherever you want to weather, just weather it. Um, Mm -hmm. but, but definitely let that sun shine in if you like the sun. Uh, otherwise, wear sunblock because the sun does not like me very much. I am a pale Irish boy. Anyway, I digress. Uh, I digress. It's been a lot of fun, you two. I've had so much fun today. I really, super fun. really have a lot of fun. And literally, it was one of those things where we got on the mic right before we recorded. What are we going to talk about? And I said, let's talk about change. Boom. Done. A couple minutes later, we started recording. And here we go. Almost an hour's worth of content again for the community. You guys rock. Ah, thank you, Kevin. The feeling is certainly mutual. Sweet. Absolutely. A lot of fun in, in the fact that I feel like most of the show I've been laughing out loud and, and bursting, you know, my chuckle into the microphone. So that, no. that makes me feel good. It's good because folks need to know that we're just not these, you know, stuffy people or personalities behind the mic here. Like we are fun. We can be fun. We get you. We get there. There is somebody out there that we identify, several of you that we identify with, and we hope that kind of taking it from a slant and, you know, bringing some humor to the table or to the mic is, is helpful. And I think that that can help sort of swallow these concepts a little That's bit easier, right. you know, a well, little, little sugar helping the medicine yeah. go down. Thanks, Mr. Rogers. Yes, exactly. No, that was actually Mary Poppins. So. Uh, totally, oh. totally have a vision for Halloween costumes for us all. You do. I just need it, one for Keith now. Well, Kevin could be Mr. Rogers. I'll definitely be Mary Poppins. <laughs> now we just need one for Keith. Well, I could, I could play a rabbi if you like, honey. No, no, no. Like a TV personality like um, Captain Kangaroo or something. Oh, uh, my gosh. Yes. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. Or we could okay, kind of get a Sesame Street down, vibe or something like that. Or, you know, 
uh, the electric company. Who knows? We can get kind of groovy in 70s. Like, I well, don't know. Uh, when right. we do it, everyone will hear all about it here or they'll see us if we get it on video. So exactly. that's only a few months away, Elizabeth. Get busy. Exactly. Absolutely. My favorite holiday. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Awesome. Great. Well, you too. It has been a blast. And for all of you out there, follow us at RNFM Radio. And of course, you can find Elizabeth at Elizabeth Scala, Nurse Keith at Nurse Keith or Keith Carlson at Nurse Keith. And of course, myself, Kevin Ross at Innovative Nurse. If you want more high valuable, highly valuable content and maybe a few laughs, continue to find something that moves that needle for you. Don't give up. Please do not give up. Seek out those opportunities, invest in those ideas. And remember that failure is merely an opportunity to learn. So we always ask you and we do welcome it. Let us know what's working or not as we love, love, love for you to reach out. We look forward to having you back here with us again on RNFM Radio. Thank you.